Oracle did a study and 89% of customers will begin business with a competitor following a bad customer experience. You're listening to customer service strategist, Jill Raff. If you're tired of losing customers to competitors and want to make more money, a better customer service strategy should be part of your business plan. And you're going to hear how to improve your customer service right now because Jill is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Well, hello, solopreneurs. You know it's easier to get a return visitor, a return customer by offering a great experience than it is to get a brand new customer, right? So did you know there's actually a process to help make that happen? Today, we're going to learn all about that from Jill Raff, who is a customer experience strategist and a world leader in helping companies craft wonderful experiences for their customers. And I can't wait to hear exactly how her knowledge is going to help me implement this. And so I want to encourage you to listen carefully, take some notes. We're going to get this in the show notes, and we're going to have a great conversation today. Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. It's great to talk to you and your listeners. I'm glad to have you on. Now, you call yourself a customer experience strategist, but I'm not sure that everyone knows exactly what that means. So what is that? And how did you get started down this line of work anyways? So I use the term strategist, which I think is might be the word that people may not understand, more than just like a consultant, because strategy is more about really looking at what your unique problem is, looking at the multiple methods to approach it, not just tactics, which are cheap and temporary. But really strategize, really think about it from an intellectual point of view, from an information gathering point of view, and really strategizing what's going to be best for your business specifically. And even though I do use the same framework that I've created, which comes from my years of experience across multiple industries, we actually hone it in to see what's right for your business. And you know, being a solopreneur, or even if maybe you have a couple of VAs, virtual assistants, or someone who helps from time to time. Anyone who touches your business, it's really important that they understand where you're coming from, what you want, because they're representing you. So that's what where the strategy comes from. Right. But you actually have a long history doing this. And I know a little bit about your story, but I'd love for you to share with our listeners. What is that story? How did you, know, did you first get into this whole idea of crafting a better customer experience? Sure. Well, I was very fortunate, Steve, to grow up with two parents who in the late 50s, and the concept of entrepreneurship really didn't exist. And yet they took a risk and they opened McDonald's number 150. Wow. Back when McDonald's was the gold standard of the restaurant industry. And it wasn't the McDonald's that we know of today. And really they were successful and had multiple great stores. And I grew up in that business, literally from the age of seven, answering the phone was my first job and working my way through every station, every part, even working in the office, really seeing all aspects of the business. So that customer first attitude really came from my childhood, from the foundation. And I realized that so much of what I've learned by growing up in that industry and with my parents in particular, who had that strong work ethic, really laid the groundwork for the work and the real purpose of what I do today. So that's where it started. And of course, it was spread across other industries and other countries where I've worked, but that was certainly the genesis of it. That's a fascinating story. I find it very interesting because I myself came from uh, parents who 
had started different businesses. They were involved in like Amway, for example. And they didn't go very far with Amway, but it gave me the entrepreneurial mindset of, hey, I can actually do something for myself, not just a J-O-B. <laughs> and so that was very important to me. And then has kind of, even though I've had jobs most of my adult life until about 12 years ago, it was very much foundational to bring me to where I am today in the mindset. And I think that's a, a huge part of having a successful business is having that mindset. And as a business owner and a solopreneur listening to this show or an entrepreneur, what kind of things do they need to nail down to say, hey, I want to have a great customer experience offered to my customers. There's got to be a process. There's got to be a way to make that kind of, automate is not the word I'm looking for, but what do you do to consistently offer that kind of great customer experience? What have you seen in your your background? Because this is your expertise. Yes. Well, I think you hit on a perfect word, Steve, when you said consistency. Consistency really is the key here. And it is what made McDonald's what it is today. And I believe that consistency equals cash. So in a nutshell, basically every business, regardless of what aspect you're teaching or delivering or what product or service that you have to deliver, it comes down to your basic hiring, your onboarding, your maintaining of the values. So before you even begin to think about who you want to hire, you have to make sure that you, even as a solopreneur, establish what your core values are. What is your mission statement? What's your vision, your goals? What's important to you? Document that so that you can use that really as like your Bible, your roadmap, And you refer back to that. Every decision that you make thereafter, you need to make sure it's in alignment with those values and every step that you go on through that. So that's really the process that's really important in your hiring, in your onboarding, in the maintaining of your business is just really, really important. Um, First and foremost, your company's core values for sure. Well, there's two things you said there that I really love and I have so many questions for you, but I want to kind of just a couple of things out. One thing, I love what you just said, consistency equals cash. That's a great little easy to remember wording, but you know that's true. If you offer an inconsistent customer experience, you're going to have inconsistent return customers. They're probably not going to come back as often as you would like them to. And so you need to provide an experience that they can rely upon you as a business owner to provide the kind of solutions to them in the way that they want to receive them. And that boils down to what the second part of what you just said was, is the values. What are you offering? Why is it important to you? Obviously, you're in business for a reason. If it's just to make money, you're probably, to be honest, not going to succeed very well, most likely, because there's more to life than just money. We all know that. We tend to pursue the big dollar, but you know, why do we pursue the dollar? Because we want to have a better life for our family. We want to perhaps have freedom, flexibility, travel. Your customers want something more than just the item they're buying. They have a reason for buying or the service they're buying. They want that to fulfill a purpose. And that should be your business values aligned with how you're helping your customers. And that kind of helps you build towards a more sustainable business model, something that allows you to stay in business because you are actually getting repeat customers. And I understand you actually know a lot, obviously, Joe, about building sustainable business because the customer experience is all about that. So how do you do that? Let's start, for example, I mean, obviously, to provide a good customer experience, Now, solopreneurs, let me just let you know right now, you may be a business of one in a sense, but whether you're an entrepreneur and you have a team of 100 people or it's just you, how do you present yourself to others? So let's talk about, you know, you work at a lot of bigger companies, Jill, and they have to hire people. 
But this would apply also, I believe, to the solopreneur who's just them. So what do you look for? What kind of values or what kind of activities or what do you look for to make sure it's a good fit? You touched on a really important point because even as a solopreneur, if you want to grow your business at any point in time, you have to have other people help you out. And even if they're not full-time employees, anyone who touches your business, so maybe it's an accountant, maybe it's a virtual assistant, maybe it's someone who you go, who helps you with doing graphics or layouts. I mean, there's, there's a multitude of things that we need, even as a solopreneur to be successful. All of those people really are your team. So I think we have to think, first of all, make that shift to realize we're the CEOs of our business. Even as a solopreneur, we are in the CEO. And to really approach it so that everyone that touches our business understands those values, understands what we stand for, what our brand promise is, what it is that we offer that distinguishes us from someone else who's offering the same thing to make them choose to do business with you. And so going back to those core values to really clarify. And so it doesn't matter. The hiring, you're still hiring people along the way to help you. I know because I've done so many things where I'm a solopreneur. There's only so much we can do if we want to really be successful and scale and grow. So hiring comes into it. And even if it's going to be someone who's freelancer, you want to find people who already believe in the same values that you have, that they live by those values, that they embrace those values. You want to hire people to help you out who really don't just feel like, oh, well, you connect with them. You have a conversation and it's like, wow, that person's really interesting. I would love to hear more about that experience or, oh, they have such a fun personality. Well, that's great if you want to have dinner with them, but it does not fit the criteria for being someone who's going to be in alignment and help you grow your business. So that's you need a great to hire point. not on emotion. Yes. And I would say that that's even more important, I would say, for startup entrepreneurs. We tend to look right in our immediate family, our close circle of friends, and they may be great individuals, but not necessarily the right fit for your business and your customers. And that's a terrific point and well taken. So knowing that we have to be very careful of how we hire and knowing that the values must be shared, now that we kind of define that criteria for ourselves, and obviously, if you haven't yet, do the work. (laughs) Make sure you have defined those values, write them down. Don't just have them up in your head because they won't be in front of you to know, hey, is this really you know, what I'm, I'm hiring towards? Now that you know this, though, what's the process for bringing somebody into your team that would make sure they fit that framework? Instead of, well, what recommendations do you have to kind of make sure somebody's drawn in that, that is the right fit and making sure that they maintain that set of values? So how would you recommend the listeners go about doing that? So I think the onboarding process is really important. And again, you know, don't get distracted and think, well, it's, I'm a solopreneur. It doesn't matter. The principles are the same and it doesn't matter if you're a solopreneur or you're a big corporation, you know, with multiple thousands of employees, because at the end of the day, you need to go through the same steps and you need to think about, for example, when you bring someone on, a lot of times we're so busy working in our business and we're putting out fires. And we just need someone to help us. And so we don't take the steps of what we need to do to make sure they're going to deliver what we want and that it represents who we are. And so a lot of people just say, you know what, just get this done. Or if if you do have a few people, you do like a quick boot camp, like a fire hose style, right? Type training. I think you need to educate them, not just train them. That's a whole separate topic. 
And then just have them sometimes maybe you have them in, in your office with you and you have them kind of shadow what you're doing. And then you just throw them out there and say, okay, now help me just get that done so I can come over here and do something else. But that's not a model for someone who's going to deliver what you want, who's going to have that retention. You don't want to have to constantly be retraining people over and over or looking for new people to help you. I know I've spent countless hours, even if it's on Fiverr or Upwork or any sort of these sort of sites to help me with the one-offs that I need as a solopreneur. It's exhausting and it wastes so much time. So if you can find someone, if you spend the time up front and really develop and let them know that the onboarding process, you're going to educate them to what you need, what you stand for, what you want to say and how they should act or behave or express themselves that represents you. If you do that up front, you're going to help the retention so that you're not always looking for someone else to replace to help you with. Like I'm doing that now with a videographer, with a VA that I found. It took me some time, but I'm hoping these are people that I have a relationship with that then I can grow with. I don't have to constantly be, you know, turning the wheel and finding new people. That's great. I've heard the term before, hire slow, fire fast. In other words, do your legwork up front, make sure you're hiring the right people. And if they're not a good fit, do you and them a favor and move on quickly? Because obviously one bad customer experience, think about the last time, you know, you have a background at McDonald's, the last time you went through a drive-thru and you had a bad experience, that may be enough to keep you from going there the next few times you go out to a restaurant, just because you don't want to deal with that. Because as a customer, you have a certain line of expectations and your customers have expectations. And if you don't fulfill those, or your team doesn't fulfill those expectations, you are going to harm your business. And so that's whether you're a solopreneur and you're hiring a VA or a videographer or whoever, voiceover talent, whoever it is that you work with, that's going to have a direct impact on the customer experience that you are providing to your customers. And so do your due diligence. I'll I'll say another benefit that I don't know, Joe, maybe you mentioned this or maybe I overlooked it, but when you hire slow and you're developing those criteria, you're also making it easier on yourself because you're documenting what you're exactly looking for. And if that person doesn't work out, the next time you hire somebody for that role, you're going to go through it much faster the second time or the third time or the fourth time because you've already defined exactly what you're looking for. The second reason you may want to do that is because by defining that role, you also have a benchmark to tell, are they fulfilling the criteria you set for the person you hired? And so you can have a check and say, okay, are you actually fulfilling what I need you to do? And if they're not, maybe you didn't define it clearly or you didn't communicate it clearly, or, or maybe they're not the right fit for your business, but at least you have something to go by and it's fair to them and fair to you because you have defined that up front. Any additional thoughts about that, Jill, that you'd add yeah, to it? No, excellent point. So true. And in fact, that's part of the process that I talk about that you need to clearly define what it is and you need to set the expectations for you so that there is the accountability piece so that you can go back and look to say, was it me? Did I not explain it the right way or clear enough? And you know, really put your ego aside and be willing to get in there to be the best you as an owner and to get the best from your employees. And so there are other tools that we use with our clients to make sure that not only are they the best fit maybe for your business, but also that are they actually doing what's best suited for them innately? So when they're doing innately what's really right for them, they're going to be happy and they're going to be much more productive. Yeah, really important that you have those expectations set right from the very beginning. And then there's accountability, you to them and they to you. Super important. Yes. Again, I want to commend what you just said about innately. We all have different strengths and we have different weaknesses. 
And if I'm working in my superpower, some people call it, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be happy during the day because I'm doing what I enjoy doing, what comes naturally. I'm not you know, working against my own nature to yes. make something happen. And I'm going to do a better job and I'm going to do a better job for who I'm working for, whether it's for my customer or if I'm working for an employer or whoever I'm working for, that's going to, this is going to be a better fit altogether. And the same with the people that you hire, whether there's a direct hire employee or they're a vendor, whoever that is. I mean, obviously, if they're a vendor, they should be the right fit, but you'll be surprised how many people will, they'll put a shingle up and say, I'll do this job, but they're not really a good fit because they're just doing it because they want the dollar. They don't necessarily have a business that's a good fit for them. That's well, here's another little aside, but is your business a good fit for you? You're listening to this. Did you pick a business that works for you? Or are you just trying to say, this? I heard this makes money and I'm going to try it. Make sure that what you're doing is a good fit for you. Otherwise, you may be banging your head against a brick wall. And if you're successful, you're going to hate life when you get successful because you're going to be doing what you hate doing. Pick something you love. Let's <laughs> leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> excellent advice. 100% true. We can use these same values and these same tools on ourselves, like reflect it back and ask yourself those questions. And you are so right. It's important to love what you do because if it hits those innate abilities and those innate, just the things that light you up, you're going to be really good at it. And people are going to feel that. And anyone that you want to work with you to help you out, even if you decide, look, I just want to do this solo and you're just going to use, you know, freelance people, they're going to feel if there's some resistance and things aren't really in alignment there. So I think you give outstanding advice to take that and reflect it back to you as well. It's everybody's best interest. But let's say that we have the great business. It's a perfect fit. We're hiring well. We're onboarding well. We're defining our values and our procedures and what we need. What's really key to making sure that you are providing consistently that great customer experience we want? What kind of things do customers look for that we need to make sure we're providing? Because that's really where the rubber hits the road. Yes, we know the values and everything, but now we're in the day-to-day business. What's important? Well, I think it's important that you show the customers first and foremost that you appreciate them as people because people are people first and they're customers second. And if they feel in any way that you were there just to sell them, they're going to be gone. They're off to your competitor. And, you know, you mentioned before, and it just triggered a great stat, Oracle did a study, and 89% of customers will begin business with a competitor following a bad customer experience. So there's enough competition out there. So they want to have a great experience. They want it to flow easily. They want to connect with you. It's human to human. So when you create that relationship and you let them know that you're there to serve them, that you're there to not just hear, I use this SHARK as an acronym. R as as a cubed, which is a model of how we should treat everyone. And that is, you know, to be there to serve them really from the place of service, not just making money. To not only hear them, but really listen to what their needs are or what their problem is, what they're coming to you for, what do they want resolved. A, acknowledge. Acknowledge if there's a problem. Acknowledge their situation for whatever it is. People want acknowledgement. It's a basic human need. R squared is respect and resolution. We all deserve to be respected and people feel it if you disrespect them. They're certainly not going to give you their dollars. And resolution. People want to know, not only have you heard them and and have you listened, but how are you going to resolve what it is I need? Not only if it's a problem, you know, a problem being, I need this done. I need to buy this. I need this service. I need your help and guidance in this. That needs to be resolved. So are you providing them both the respect and the resolution? 
And K is just simple kindness, you know, showing from a human to human, just being kind. And wow, will you people stick with you and they will go deep and continue to buy with you. And they will send people your way when you show them this basic kind of shark model that I live by. I like that a lot. And I was thinking about the R, the resolution too, when you're you're kind of sharing what the shark stands for. And maybe think about how we often as marketers, because we're, you know, to build a customer base in the first place, we have to market what we sell. Mm -hmm. And what we sell is a product or a service, which really boils down to a customer experience. And we often make these big promises in our marketing material, but the resolution is, are we fulfilling the promise? Are we giving our customers what we say we're going to give them? Are we giving them the experience that they should rightfully expect from us? And it comes about by meeting all of those parameters that SHARK stands for. And I, I like that as an acronym. I'm going to have to make sure I put that in the show notes for you. So uh, I'm going to outline exactly what SHARK is so you can grab that really easily. Maybe put it in a sign, put it above your desk and say, hey, am I doing this? And make sure that you allow the understanding of that to sink in so that you can fulfill the customer experience goals that you have for your customers. And you talked about a transaction, Steve, right? Just for a minute, when you just said, talked about, well, they're just, you know, they're buying a service from you. But actually, my motto is that I believe we need to transform transactions into interactions. And as you said, a transaction is really just a cold exchange of goods and services for money, right? It doesn't take that human element into it. An interaction is what we all should aim for. And that is creating that relationship, creating that connection, not just selling them something, but to actually maintain that deeper customer value to you because you value them as people, because you've created the interaction and it's not just a cold transaction. Excellent point and well taken because you may get the transaction the first time, which is you know the one-time sale. But if you want to build a relationship, you have to move into a new realm beyond just the one-time exchange. And I love what you said earlier about the Oracle stat too. I just want to bring up again, that's nine out of 10 of your customers. They have a bad experience. You're chasing them away to your competitors. Do you really want that? That's how important it is that you provide a great customer experience. And you know, I don't know how well I do sometimes. I think sometimes I could offer a better customer experience. I know that as a podcast host about solopreneur success, I coach people. And yet at the same time, I believe there's always room for improvement. We can always look at what are our processes? What can I do better? And I think it would be important for any of us that want to be successful, highly successful at delivering a strong customer experience to our customers to build in a kind of a regular check. Am I providing what it takes? You know, this is why you get the surveys at the bottom of your receipt. I've got a survey receipt here next to me on the desk here. I went to the Dunkins earlier and they're asking me in exchange for a donut, you know, what was my experience like? And are they using that information? And I'm asking the listener, are you actually using the information that you have from your customers or are you even asking in the first place? Right. I think most people don't ask. And sadly, Steve, I think most people don't want to know. A lot of times <laughs> people don't want to hear it. And I think that when we have a disgruntled customer, we certainly want to know about that up front so that we can make it right so they don't go on to Yelp or tell their friends all the bad negative stuff. We want to figure out from my real estate business, one of the things that we were trained is before when you're finishing in that case, ironically, it's called a transaction, which to me, you know, raises some red flags because I'm not a transactional agent. I'm about the interaction, the relationship. 
but you know, have I earned a five-star review? And if I haven't, what are you unhappy with? And what can I do now to change it and make it right for you? We don't want to close out our business together with it being bad. And again, something else you said triggered the thought of what everyone deserves. And I call it a celebrity customer experience. And so I think I would say to solopreneurs, if you had a celebrity suddenly call or write to you and, and want to engage with you and, and take your services or your products you're selling, how would you treat them? I am sure you would make sure everything is incredible because celebrities get this top service no matter what. And guess what? Their dollar is worth the same as anyone else's dollar in the bank at the end of the day, right? So Give everyone a celebrity customer experience. Let them know that you really care. Pamper them. Take care of them all the same way, regardless of one small business, one small job to a really large project. And I would add to that also something you mentioned earlier, and that is, you know, find out as soon as you can if they have something that's potentially a negative experience, because if you could transform that into a positive, what you've just done is you've just shown that your customer matters to you, their experience matters to you. And what was a bad experience could literally transform them into a lifelong customer by handling it well. And I've seen it happen again and again. It's happened with me. I've seen it happen with others. This week, I was on a website reviewing a product I was going to buy. And a fascinating review I read was somebody who said, I bought three of this item I was looking at. And I also bought this other item from the same company. And it didn't fulfill my expectations, but I called them up and they immediately took care of it. They did a great job. I highly recommend it. Five stars. And that speaks volumes because they had a bad experience that was transformed that they even wrote about on the review. So, you know, that's powerful. And when you provide that to your customers, you're going to enable them to be a spokesman for your business because you're going to delight them to the point they're going to share that good news with other people. Hey, deal with so-and-so because they're going to treat you right. Yeah, it shows that they matter. And both customers and employees, they all want to know they matter. And I think when you show, look, when we mess up, everyone messes up. We're human and that's okay. And people are willing to accept that when they find that the business or the owner has taken ownership of that problem and that they care enough to take the initiative to make it right. And you will actually get more business that way. And what I say is that, you know, when you treat your customers right and you deliver that celebrity customer experience, you are actually gaining your customers as your marketing sales force, your free marketing sales force. That won't cost you any more, not one penny, because you're treating them right from the beginning. And they, it's, it's the universal law of reciprocity. They will be happy to shout and give you reviews and tell you, tell everyone how great their experience was with you when you show them that you care and that they matter, that it's really so basic. That's very true. And Joe, I know we have to wrap up here soon, but I understand you actually have a a free resource that our listeners can use to kind of help them make sure they're hitting these important points in their business of customer experience. I was wondering if you could share what that is. It's, It's a free resource. So definitely take advantage of this. So what is that and where can they find it at? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, yes, it's called the CX checklist. CX stands for customer experience. And you can find that on my website, which is my name. It's www.jillraff.com forward slash CX checklist. And RAF is R like Robert, A double F like French fry. And so it's jillraff.com forward slash CX checklist. And there's strategies for growing revenue and relationships with intentional 
client satisfaction. And Steve, if they stick with it, it's not just this one great resource, but I actually continue to give you a lot of really great other additional content and strategies that you can apply to your business to see very quick results. And I'm happy to speak to anyone about what's going on in their business. If I can help in any way, please let me know. Excellent. Joe, thank you so much. And listeners, please take advantage of the checklist. But if you really want to get some hands-on help, I do recommend you reach out to Jill. She's going to be happy to discuss what your business challenges are and goals that you can help provide the customer experience that your customers deserve and that your business will benefit from. So again, reach out to her. Her website again is Jill Raff, www.jillraff.com. And that checklist is at www.jillraff.com forward slash CX checklist. And I will put that in the show notes so you can just click a link if you want to do that. Perhaps you're driving right now, come back and check that out. We'll make sure that's available quickly for you. And I'll put that shark in the show notes as well so we can make sure you can take advantage of that. Jill, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. It's been very informative and I wish you the very best today. Thank you. So much fun. Thanks, Steve. Always great to talk about important things and you're doing a great job for the solopreneurs. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, Solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. You can find all the show notes for this episode at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 019. And while you're there, make sure to check out the new community because we're going to have a fantastic training next Wednesday with Mark Everett Johnson. Not only is he going to teach about how to write effective and powerful headlines, he's going to host a live headline clinic where you can give me your best headline and Mark's going to try to beat it. So I encourage you to be there, but you can only be there if you're a member. So here's how you get in for free. Go to the community page on solopreneurcoach.com and use this code SS30FREE. That's SS30FREE. It's my gift to you as a listener of the Solopreneur Success Podcast. Thank you for listening.